What is up, People First Leaders? My name is Chris Lin, and I am your advocate and host for the Leading People First podcast, where we are set to transform the workplace. I'm happy you're tuning in and joining me on this journey as we talk about leadership and its effect on the employee experience. One quick reminder for the month of October 2020, we are doing a giveaway if you leave us a review. So make sure you subscribe and let us know what you think of the Leading People First podcast. I don't know about you, but I never grew up thinking I was creative. The thing is, we are all born innately curious and creative. Therefore, good ideas can come from any level of an organization. And by cultivating idea sharing in the workplace, everyone has a chance to have their voice heard. This is the foundation of my next guest work, Van Lai Dumont. Van is the founder of WorkSmart, a progressive team development and leadership training company that activates creativity and experiential learning to enrich company culture and skyrocket performance. Some of Van's clients include game changers such as Google, LinkedIn, and Pandora. Van was born in Vietnam and raised in Southern California after her family fled Vietnam as war refugees. Van watched her parents pave a new life for themselves. She saw firsthand how creative thinking, innovation, and curiosity can help people overcome their circumstances. Van shares this story in her TEDx talk titled, What If? The Life-Changing Power of Curiosity. Now let's dive right into this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Van. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's kick it off with what I like to ask everyone right away is, what does it mean to you to lead people first? So what it means to me to lead people first is that in everything we do, especially in business, is that you're, we're taking, we're giving, we're putting people ahead of all other things, right? Profit. Um, even, and I have to say this, in, and we might have to talk about this, but even on top of clients, like your internal people before you even talk about your clients. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I say that too, is that employees are actually your most important clients. They're your most important customers. Oh, I like that. I like that point of view. Like they are your clients. Absolutely. As a leader, your employees need to be seen as your, as your clients. Yeah. And if we put as much emphasis and priority in our employees, if we do treat them like customers, then I, I think businesses will just flourish from that point forward. Absolutely. And, and I feel like that whole idea of training people to be of customer service I, don't, I feel like that never has, that never will go away. But if you are treating your employees as um, your best clients, then you don't really need to train them how to do that. Cause I think it'll come naturally by how you treat them will be how they treat your clients. Yeah, absolutely. Those values and that culture that you instill in them just carries out, right? Like there's a ton of uh, good, you know, large corporations that do that, right? Like Costco comes to mind, Target comes to mind, Southwest, all of these are organizations that uh, treat their employees like customers and really lead from the heart or treat them or really do lead people first from that standpoint. And they end up carrying that forward to their customers. Right. And their engagement and, and retention numbers show it. Yeah. Because people want to stay there. So for those of uh, the listeners who don't know your story, Walk us through how you got to where you are today. All right. So my work is called, my, my, my company is called WorkSmart. I do team development, leadership training, all through the lens of creativity. So I don't know how far back you want me to go, Chris. So if I don't go far back enough, just we can come <laughs> back to it later. Yeah. But I spent about 15, 17 years working 
between corporate world and startup ventures. And I always either did something in operations, like people operations, talent development, and training. But even in the startup world, even though I was able to develop, develop the training I did, it was always very cut and dry, right? Here's a workbook. I'm going to stand in front of you and deliver this information, and you're expected to absorb it. Um, I finally ended up working for a large pharmaceutical company doing very similar work, some training, some development, and it, was, it became even drier than anything I had done before. <laughs> <laughs> right? and, and less satisfying than anything I had done before. And I had this idea in the back of my head for all these years that what if we did this through creativity? Because creativity is something that has been a through line in my life, my entire life. Like when I was a little girl, my mom would buy me a new pair of shoes and I would immediately I would paint them. Or she'd buy me a shirt, I would cut it up and, and resew it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we had several arguments about that growing up, but now <laughs> she sees where it led to. So, so I had this idea that I want to bring creativity into the workplace, into training and development. And, but it wasn't very clear. About six years ago, I decided, well, let's, you know, I'm going to stop working my full-time job. I'm going to create this thing. And I called it back then Craftivity Events. And it was personal and professional development training through arts and crafts. So I would have workshops in my backyard at my friend's art studio. I would just invite people to show up to it. And it wasn't until I spoke to a coach about where I would bring most value that I decided to bring this into actually into the corporate world. And my first client was Google. And interestingly enough, like it was, it was, it was interesting because you know, I had spent all this time trying to get people to come to my backyard events, trying to get my people to come to these art studio events. And then Google just paid me a big fat check <laughs> to present it to, you know, like 35 people. So I figured this is the direction I want to go in terms of a viable business and in terms of really impacting people where I want to impact people in the workplace. So I hunkered down and that's when I started, I revamped and started WorkSmart. And even back then, now let's go back four years. Back then it was per professional development, leadership training through arts and crafts. So I would literally show up with paintbrushes and canvases, or if they had a large blank wall, we might do a collaborative painting on there. So it was all through um, visual arts. And that has now even evolved to more about the, the idea of using creativity in many different lenses. So a lot of my workshops right now, I'll bring in my friend who is a DJ to talk about communication, or a spoken word artist to talk about trust and vulnerability, or a improv artist to talk about performance and, and, and public speaking. That is an amazing story. And the thing that I really love about the way that you approach this is you take these, these unconventional ways to bring other people to deliver content and training, right? And looking at this through that creative lens. So, I mean, what are, what are some of the common misconceptions about creativity that, especially in the workplace, that you run up against? So I think a common mis misconception is I hear a lot like I'm not creative, right? So we have several different tools that I use that are very simple tools. Be like, you just proved to me that you're creative, right? Do you get dressed by yourself this morning? <laughs> do you choose what you're this morning? And I have a couple of things I do with some with Legos. It's like, okay, you just created a duck or a tree out of six pieces of, of building blocks and you had to use your imagination. So the fact that we are all creative, that's one foundational um, piece I'm always trying to let people know. And, 
and the fact that creativity is not a skill. I use this one a lot. Creativity is not a skill, it's a capacity. And as human beings, we all have the capacity for creativity. Um, opera singing is a skill, which I don't have. Calligraphy right? <laughs> is a skill. Um, those are skills that not everyone has, but everyone has the capacity to be creative. And the reason I bring creativity into the workplace is because I truly believe that through creativity, especially hands-on manipulation, that you are able to learn and retain information more readily. And the other part of it too is that, especially in group dynamics, is through creativity and play that we can best learn about ourselves and other people. Yeah, it's definitely all about other people. I totally, totally agree with that. Yeah. The thing that I, you know, I realized as you're saying that is, you know, we all have these different uh, ways in which we express our creativity. And I was actually just having this conversation with my wife and how she is, in, she's incredibly crafty mm-hmm. and right? Like she bakes, she loves decorating. Um, and I'm not that way. And she even goes as far as coming up with, uh, with, you know, us being in this pandemic and she finds these really interesting ways to keep the kids engaged and get their Mm -hmm. energy out inside. For example, like she took a bunch of tape and like built a little hopscotch thing on her, on her floor. So our our daughter could jump around, right? Or she builds an obstacle course for our kids in the living room. I would have never thought of that, right? But there's, uh, for me, I think of uh, ways to solve problems in a different fashion that she might not have that Mm -hmm. capacity to do. So that's something that I think a lot of people miss is that, right? We're creative. We all have that capacity, yet we use it in different ways. Absolutely. And one of the ways that I feel it's most relevant in the workplace is using it for idea generation and problem solving. Right? Yeah. The idea of, I, and I use this example a lot too, it's, is because at the workplace, we're often in the left side of our brain. Most of the things, the tactile things we're doing or the way we work is operating from left brain analytical thinking. And we just ignore the right side creative part. So I always talk about, you know, like try tying your shoe with one hand. <laughs> right? Like not that easy and your results probably won't be optimal. And you would never choose to do that, right? If you have two hands and two tools, why use only half of it? Yeah. So that's what we're doing in the workplace when we're problem solving or innovating. We generally are using left brain analytical thinking and completely ignoring the other tool we have, which is the right creative side of our brain. So yeah, so creativity in the workplace is so much about um, like what you do, like taking, taking things that may not go together and trying to create something, trying to create something new or trying to bring up new ideas to solve old problems. Yeah, it's a great way to approach things. Uh, that also makes me think of, you know, creativity is actually really difficult when you have a completely blank canvas, um, especially when we talk about problem solving in the workplace. If you were to say, hey, um, you need to, cre- like, we want to create the next new innovative phone, go for it. You have all the resources in the world, all the time in the world, go figure it out. And that's actually harder than if you were to be given constraints, right? Like if you were given constraints saying you have this budget, you have this much time, it has to be this big, um, you actually end up with a more innovative product or a highly defined product. So can you talk about how obstacles are actually good for us? or constraints are actually good for us when it comes to creativity and innovation. 
Sure. So there's a couple. Um, so I, I, I do believe that I feel like, especially in the workplace and when it comes to create, like creativity, there's going to be constraints, right? Every workplace has constraints, policies, rules, whatever it might be. The, the way I teach creativity and innovation and problem solving in the workplace is, this, is through this concept of um, a foundational skill of creative problem solving called divergent and convergent thinking. So in divergent thinking, what you're trying to do, think of it as a funnel, and you're trying to get as many ideas as you possibly can. And all ideas matter. There's no wrong ideas. Uh, what you're trying to do there is, number one, just, just level the playing field so that everyone feels like their voice can be heard. Whatever you say, no one's going to judge it. And there's a, there's a framework for that. It literally is like if we're brainstorming an idea, you say what you want to say, and it gets on the table. I don't get to say, oh, that's not going to work, Chris, or yes, but, or yes, or yes. We're just going to let it sit on the table. So in everything, that's what you're doing. You're collecting as many possible ideas as you can. And then the second part of it is convergent thinking. And that's when you would bring in some of those constraints we're talking about. Where it's like, okay, great. now that we have all these amazing ideas on the table, uh, wild and crazy ones included, now we're going to talk about our budget, our time constraints. Um, how many, you know, what, whatever the constraints are, just put them, now you lay those on the table. Um, and now you can take all those crazy ideas and be like, okay, well, what's going to fit into this box we now have that we have for ourselves here? Um, everyone have a voice. Um, but then to make it make it so that we're implementing it, so that you're creating something you can implement. That's where the conversion thinking comes. But what happens is because you've let everyone have a voice, by the time you do convergent thinking and come up with an actionable plan, everyone who had a voice thinks that their voice was in that, right? So everyone has had a say in, in the final product. Yeah, it's a great way to get buy-in, right? Right. Um, and especially when people do think that they have that final voice or, or have had a voice in it, that's where yeah. you can really implement uh, whatever got decided. And I actually had this question written down, but this oh. is a good segue because what you just explained was something that is like design thinking, right? Mm -hmm. So what would you say is the difference between a process like design thinking and creativity? Well, I think, I think creativity is built into design thinking. I often think of design thinking as something that you, I think it's, it's very different now, but when, when design thinking first came out, it was more for, for agencies or in-house to, to build something for clients. And, and again, it's like, right, putting the client first. And then it was like, oh wait, aha, uh -huh. we can use design thinking for ourselves. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I don't think, um, I think with design thinking, I think it's just the, the philosophy of, of building something for someone else, right? Like, and getting their input for what you're building for them. Yeah. Whereas with creative problem solving, I use it more, more internally. Definitely internally, for sure. Yeah. So you've said before uh, that creative organizations are ones that honor diversity and they are open and share ideas. So how is creativity then a way to lead people first? Well, because the foundation of that for me is the fact that we talked about this earlier. We're, believe it or not, we're all creative, right? Whether you believe it about yourself or not, the fact is, as human beings, we are innately creative. So when you are bringing creativity into the workplace, you're tapping into something that everyone has, right? So I, and I talk about the idea of, if we're going to train on anything in the workplace, it should be creativity, 
yeah. because we are all capable of it, right? Like you can train me all day and night on accounting and I'm never going to get it, <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm never going to be good at it. And my capacity for it, eh, it might increase a little bit, but not much. But the fact is that we are, as human beings, we're all innately creative. We all innately have creative capacity. And when you train people on their creative capacity, that is a capacity that can expand. Yeah. And they can, they can then use that capacity to problem solve, to innovate. Yeah, it's definitely a great way to innovate and problem solve. And I love what you say about um, we all have this innate ability. And so let's talk about like our inner child, right? And especially your Lego Play series, uh-huh. right? It seems like creativity and your or your company work smart is like a bridge between working and our inner child and that innate ability to be creative so what would you tell people who are resistant to being a child at heart okay so i will tell you that i never go into any client and say we're going to be we're going to be like a, we're going to play like a child <laughs> right because then you get those you get that resistance like oh but we're in the workplace because so many of us have been raised to be leave that childlike playfulness behind because you're an adult now. I don't know when that happened, but, but even with the work I do, I, I, you know, I went and I followed the path my parents told me. I went and got a degree. I got my MBA. I went and worked in the corporate world. So it took me many years to bring back, bring back playfulness and creativity into my work because it wasn't something that was taught or acceptable. Um, so I will say that what I, I tend to do is kind of, is go in there and talk in terms of um, in terms of more more like why we're going to use these tools right we're going to use lego today because you're going to build your ideas for this problem this innovation i never say we're going to play with legos <laughs> <laughs> and it's just and it's one of those things where it's just semantics you're doing the same thing but you're sort of tricking people into playing because once they're playing I'm like, can you put down the Legos now? We need to move on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and same with, I do a lot of, um, I still do a lot of arts and crafts activities with my clients too. I used to call them um, creative art projects, right? Simply creative art projects. And then we're going to finish off with a creative art project. And you would get those people you could see in the room going like, oh, no, I don't think we want that. Or even the sales process, you're like, oh, we'll take all the rest, but we don't need the creative art project. Because it seems like, why would I need that in the workplace? Um, but so now I call them creative artifacts. And, yeah. and I'll, for some reason, people are like, oh, we need creative artifacts. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've talked about creative artifacts in the past. Um, and it's really interesting where you essentially, you said, right, it's semantics. It's this re, it's shifting how people view creativity at mm -hmm. work. So what are some of those creative artifacts that you have people make to allow them to extend the creative process outside and past your workshop? So I would say the creative artifact is, is more for in, something that we do in the workshop as a reminder of what you learned in the workshop. I, I came up with this idea of creative artifacts because uh, I just, that's like, that is my form of, of creativity is visual arts. But in the workplace, and the reason why I use it in my workshops is because I find when I go to workshops, when I go to conferences, and I get a notebook and put notes in it, I never look at that notebook again. 
even though I have a collection of them since 1987. <laughs> 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 just in case, just in case one day I'll look at that. But for the most part, I should probably, you know, release those into the dumpster or into the recycling <laughs> bin at some point. So what the creative artifact does, it's we always do something around what we talked about. So if I do a workshop around value, connecting your, your personal values to a, the, the company mission statement, we might do a little wood block, like a, almost like a, it looks like a dice, like a wood, two inch by two inch um, dice. And at the end, we'll give them 20 minutes, you know, write down some of your values uh, on each side of the, uh, each side of the dice. And that's something they can leave on their desk now. And like roll the dice every day. What value are you going to work on today? What value are you going to focus on today? And we will sometimes do a group collaborative art project where um, if a company has a wall that they will allow us to paint on, I might have an <laughs> yeah. artist come in and based on whatever topic we're talking about, um, we, the artist will sketch something on the wall and everyone gets to paint that wall together. That's such a fun way to create this you're you're not only creating something that is permanent that takes you forward but it's something that's impactful it's something different mm -hmm. and that's something that sticks out in people's minds and something that i for me when i deliver training or facilitate a course it's that emotional impact that i'm looking to have and it looks or it sounds like that's something that you are doing as well as you're creating this emotional impact where they instantly can remember that emotion and what they learned because you have now connected in their brains from a neurological standpoint, the emotion with the content and the knowledge, because you're able to, once you can access that emotion, then you access the knowledge that they gained from that workshop. Absolutely. And like, so, so in the process of creating, I think that's what you're, you're doing. You're like making that connection, that neurological connection. And then just having like that, again, that physical reminder that sits at your desk or yeah. on the wall of your office to, to reconnect to that emotion that you had and yeah. the, the emotion as well as the learnings you had that day. And it's Definitely. not going to be everything. Like I always tell people, you know, take what you get out of this. And I don't expect anyone, everyone to remember all of it because we're all, all different. We have diversity of thought, diversity of needs. So in my trainings, it's, it's all about taking what you hear through the, your own lens and then utilizing what you want to use. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because again, I think a lot of organizations, they want people when they go to these kind of workshops to take everything, right? But it's going to be different for everyone. So that's something to keep in mind. And on that, right, how do, what, what's an impactful story you might have of someone, someone that, you know, something that stuck out in your mind who was maybe so against this process and maybe you were a little skeptical about them as well, but they ended up surprising you, or maybe they took those tools back to their team and influenced their team to utilize these, these methods of creativity. God, well, I, I, I will have to tell you that um, because of the work I do and the way I present the work I do, people weed themselves out very quickly. Right? Like, I will tell you, like, I've had a few calls where I was like, once I use the word creativity, you could tell they've already shut down. And, and I'm okay with that. I feel like because of the work I do is all around creativity, there's, there's this low hanging fruit of people who want to work with me. And there's enough of them where I don't need to, I don't need to force myself, right? Like claw my way up to these people who are like, who just don't understand creativity yeah. yet. I think <laughs> we're all getting there though. I think the fact that creativity is ranked, I think one of the highest skills needed in leadership um, is, is, 
is foretelling of what the future is going to hold for, for, for us. Um, but I wanted to share a story about this one. It was more of like a, a group situation where uh. I had been hired. I was working with this, this one group and we were problem solving for the idea that, um, and there are 30 tables and each group had to solve for the, this concept of, you know, they had different, different locations and none of the locations were doing the same thing, right? So there was a lot of miscommunication, um, different processes, and we were building with Legos. We did the Lego series play workshop, and I had them build each table, each person at each table had to build one idea to solve this problem. And everyone shared their idea. Then I said, five more minutes, build two more ideas. So everyone had to build two more ideas. And we did this for about three or four rounds, so that each table probably had 150 ideas on the table. And and shared those ideas. And again, the idea that wild and crazy, crazy ideas are possible. So someone had come up with this idea, like, well, why don't we do like that beam me up, like again, wild and crazy, beam me up Scotty, let's beam ourselves into <laughs> other locations and see what's going on. And of course there was a lot of naysaying, like that, ha ha, that's, that's not gonna work, just put that one aside. And I said, nope, we keep that one on the table, right? We keep that one on the table. And what ended up happening is through that model, they ended up creating a working study abroad program in their company where, yeah, where they were like, you're not beaming anyone anywhere, but from that crazy idea of beaming somewhere, someone somewhere, they came up with this idea because of the constraints of, we can't beam people anywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> they, because of that constraint, they said, well, instead of beaming someone somewhere, why don't we decide, why don't we create this study abroad program where we where like someone from marketing in our department, um, in our location gets to go over to London for a month and shadow and vice versa so that we can see what works in each location and, and build a more cohesive company that way. You'll definitely get a more cohesive company that way. I mean, beam yeah. me up now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. I hadn't heard that one before. Um, so something that's interesting, especially given the pandemic, you've had to shift your business and a lot of companies have had to, sh to shift their business to deliver training or workshops like this virtually. So how are you promoting play and creativity in a virtual lens? So I think the one thing that's, that's, that I've had to really focus on is the fact that not, and I think a lot of facilitators had to really realize this too. I can't just take what I was doing and throw it online right clear clear for me particularly because i have a lot of supplies but <laughs> but what we want to do is like create that create that people first mentality even if you're even if you're online um so the way i've pivoted is number one i started sending out creativity kits because i still wanted people to have that hands-on manipulation that emotional attachment and do something a little bit different i think we're all at the point where no one wants to sit here and just see someone talk to them on Zoom, right? So if, they, if I can get them working with their hands, then, then I've already changed it up a little bit. So yeah. a lot oftentimes when I'm doing these virtual workshops now, I will, I will send out creativity kits with Play-Doh, Legos, worksheets, um, building blocks, whatever it is, so that we, we have tools that we can work with. The other thing that I've changed too is, is even if it's just me, like if I can, I can get in front of the room with me and my supplies and run a workshop for 250 people by myself. Um, but now that we're online, I now always bring on a co-facilitator. Again, just thinking about like, is that cost effective for me? No, but is it best for the people I'm working with? Yes, because there's a different dynamic with having two people 
than just having me do the same thing I do in person, um, uh, like on a little screen like this. You, you have to really bring up the energy. You definitely have to bring up the energy. And that's, there's so many little tips and tricks in what you just said. I want to kind of highlight them for the people listening, right? Is you cannot just change what worked in a previous way and just automatically move it to another. And that's something that um, for me, having the instructional design background that I have is completely true. I can 100% validate that. You can't just take a in-person learning and automatically just throw it virtually. That's a mistake I made very early on in my career. Um, and then the other is, right, you have to think about the people and how they're going to be receiving the information. That's, again, another way of just being people first, but it's just a good way to practice. You have to understand your audience. Mm -hmm. And especially in today where we are constantly on Zoom, we're constantly on video, you have to come up with a new way to make an impact on them. And so that's a great way. The other thing that Vaughn, that I really love about you is you're not just this amazing person with creativity and delivering creativity. You are a very savvy businesswoman and right where you shifted from craftivity events to work smart. You understood that you need to shift from in-person events to virtual, right? And those are not the same things where you don't have to worry about reaching everyone and making everyone understand that creativity is something good for their business. If they don't get it, they don't get it. And you don't really think too much about it. Something that you've shared before is one of the biggest mistakes you've made and maybe continue to make is being or being unable to say no. So curious, are you still having that that problem? If not, what challenges are you currently dealing with? Okay, that's so thank you for bringing that because that's an area of growth for me. I say no all the time now. <laughs> uh, well, at least I, I, I now know when to say no, or if I'm going to say yes, I make sure it's going to work for me, right? If I say yes to an opportunity, but they can't, you know, I'm not going to be financially compensated. Um, then it's like, okay, well, can you, can I, can I get this from you then? Can I take photos at the event? Can I get a testimonial? Whatever it is so that my, so that if I'm saying yes, that it's benefiting both of us. So I think that's, that's really been an important area of growth for me. Um, what I, what the challenge I'm facing, the, the facing right now, uh, I would say, I would say because I do both team development and leadership training, a lot of my work right now virtually has has been tending towards team development and because i my leadership training like i told you i bring in a dj i bring a spoken word artist i bring in a whoever it might be so my challenge right now is how do i transition my leadership training practice my long-term leadership training practice which is generally a year long into a virtual setting so that still makes that same impact um, and I say it's a challenge, but I, but I love like, I love the way you ask questions, Chris, because it's, it's revealing to me of my process and how and the changes I've made. And I like the way you said it because of the fact that what, what you said revealed to me is that the reason I've been able to pivot like this is because of what I do, right? It's like creative problem solving. Yep. Like, this is, <laughs> I, and, and when I say like, this is now my current challenge, I almost, I don't look at it as like, oh my gosh, how am I going to face it? 
I just feel that the answers will show up for me as I continue to do what I do, continue to talk to my clients and let solutions come up naturally and use those creative problem solving skills. And, and on top of that, saying yes before I'm ready, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Whole nother thing. <laughs> I think what creativity teaches you is to be okay with ambiguity. Yeah. And you've said in the past, right? Like creativity is this muscle, right? It's, and it's a, and you even said now it's a capacity of being creative. And mm -hmm. that's something that you've clearly done for your own business and for yourself. And just, you know, you just shared how these problems that you're currently dealing with or these challenges you're currently dealing with, these answers will come, you know, you'll figure out a way because of this creative muscle you've built. But what would you tell leaders or managers in organizations, especially maybe right now where they're constantly hammering at trying to figure out a problem and they just can't come up with a solution? Like, what would you tell them? And maybe, you know, what would you tell them about play and creativity and innovation? Right. So I, and I think, so what I say about play, creativity and curiosity as well, that's something else I talk about, is that creativity and curiosity can turn, um, can turn times like this, like anxiety, the unknown into possibility, right? Because if you sit in this, like, I have a problem, just think about how that feels in your body. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel great and it keeps you stuck and it keeps you in left brain thinking, this is a problem. How can I fix it? But if you thought like, okay, we have this problem, we have this challenge and we have an opportunity with creative problem solving, creative thinking, um, with our curiosity to come up with possibilities for what this might mean for us. Like even in me saying that, I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm excited <laughs> to see what that looks like. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and I, and I understand that a lot of businesses have a lot of weight on their shoulders right now. And, and there's, there's gotta be a way to, you know, acknowledge that, but say, but also where it, it's, it's an, it's this time of challenge has also given us this opportunity to look at things differently and do things a new way. And yeah. what can that be? And I think there's that's where creativity comes in. Yeah. There's lots of new ways to do things. And I really love that you brought up curiosity because I did want to talk about the TED talk that you gave earlier this year, where you talked about curiosity, courage, and asking the question, what if? So how can leaders use this approach when they lead their teams? Well, again, I think that it's a great question to ask for, for leaders who really want to listen to the voices of their team to ask, right? So whatever the challenge is, that's a great question. What they, uh, Warren Berger wrote a book called A More Beautiful Question. And what if is one of those beautiful questions? Because what if brings possibility? So, so my framework is, you know, what are you curious about? So that might be a challenge, an opportunity. So what are you curious about? Pay attention to that curiosity and then ask what if. And in that what if, do that divergent thinking, right? Well, what if, what if we, I just saw um, on LinkedIn that um, Snack Nation, are you familiar with that, that organization? Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Snack Nation just completely overnight, re, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of things in the, in, in the background, but they just, they just announced the other day, Sean Kelly, the CEO, we're, we're not a Snack Nation anymore. They just yeah. like completely revamped and, and they had a really strong business. Snack Nation was a really strong business, but they asked what if. Like, what if we could serve more people? 
What if we could serve our clients in a different way? And this is what they came up with, a whole new offering that looks amazing, the employee yeah. engagement through, through getting snacks and things in the mail. Um, so yeah, I would say to, as a leader, what are you curious about? You know, what, what's the curiosity about what your company can look like? Yep. Don't sit in a bubble by yourself saying what if, but bring people along for the ride. But the last step of that is then to take the small steps to get to what's next. Yep. And in taking that small step, don't plan seven small steps ahead. Do one and see what comes up for you. Yeah. There's a lot of small steps that we can take and that those small steps will get us to our goal if we, if we keep asking that question, what if. Yeah. The, the last thing I wanted to bring up was, if I can bring this up with you, oh is, about your, is about your son. Oh and my gosh, yes. I love talking about that. <laughs> your son, Nico. He has his own creative project right now. Oh. And for probably a lot of parents, you're probably that like shining star parent because you're really fostering his creativity and allowing him to explore. So how did that come about and what are you doing to help him? Sure. So Nico decided he wanted to have a store on Etsy. Um, this is after he wanted a YouTube channel. So I was like, no YouTube channel, but you have a store on Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can't, I, he's, he's just a very curious child. He's, he's very curious. He's also very um, strategic and he's got, he's, he's an inventor. He has a, a lot of ideas. So he wanted to start a store on Etsy. Um, and he wanted to make bracelets. He's been making bracelets since preschool, right? So we, I just, I went to Michael's, bought him some beads, bought him some elastic string, and we started making these beaded bracelets. And then, then we opened a store on Etsy for him. Um, we also make these little. I had never heard about this called it's called felt needling, but mm-hmm. he had done it in kindergarten. So we started making these little felt needle animals too. And so yeah, so I basically am his VP of operations. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to learn how to lead people first. <laughs> he's more of a dictator <laughs> but but yes yeah, so i i do truly believe that like children know how to do this right they know how to be creative they know how to take an idea and try to bring it to fruition without thinking so much about like well what if i fail or what if it doesn't work out who cares like he doesn't care if it works out or not. Yeah. He just wants to, he just wants to do it because it came up in his head and he wants to do it. So I do try to nurture that a lot. And interesting enough, I think that 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 is um, a people first quality in leaders. Where if someone comes, he's like, "Can I like I have an idea? Can I try it?" The answer, unless it's like not legal or yeah. <laughs> might be harmful <laughs> to the company, I I say why not? Yeah. Right? Why not? You can all you can always not do it. It can always pivot into something else, but you don't know unless you try. And that's yeah. why I try to teach Nico. It's like you can you don't know unless you try. So let's put it out there in the world and see what happens. Got to put it out there. You never yeah. know. I mean, you you might come up with something amazing uh, for either yourself, for your team, or your business. So right, or or a college fund. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. Well, I love that you do that for Nico. Um, and thank you for sharing all of your stories and sharing more about creativity and, and your work today. Where can people connect with you? LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn day and night. Um, Von Lydemone. Um, You can also find me on Instagram at WorkSmartAdvantage. And, um, and yeah, mostly on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me. Like I'm like Chris, like once 
<laughs> I know you, I know you. <laughs> we met and we, we've never stopped talking, which is yeah. great. Um, so yeah, so, I, so please do. I know people often say reach out and they never get back to you, but I certainly will get back to you. Yeah, I, I can personally attest that Vaughn is uh, an amazing, amazing human being and you can ask her anything. She's, she's there for you. So an Thanks, amazing Chris. support. This is a great uh, conversation. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been great talking to you and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Leading People First podcast. I hope you feel more inspired to bring creativity into the workplace. It's not about arts and crafts. That's just a medium for creativity. And it's mostly a misconceived ideal that we've come up with in our heads as to what creativity is. There are so many ways that you can bring creativity into the workplace to lead and create an amazing employee experience. A quick reminder, if you want to be entered into this month's drawing, make sure you leave us a review and send a screenshot to chrislin at leadingpeoplefirst.com or share your review on Instagram and tag leadingpeoplefirst. If you want to connect with Vun and learn more about creativity, team development, and leadership, make sure you check out the show notes. Again, I'm glad you're joining me on this journey exploring how leadership affects the employee experience. Keep leading people first and stay awesome.